Hi, Linda Phils here. Welcome to my show where I will be sharing with you the strangest secrets to spiritual and professional success and productivity. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Linda Phils Show on the Charisma Podcast Network. This is where I bring you productivity tips and teaching and training each week on how to become that spiritual professional that you know you were made to be in the marketplace. Today, we're going to finish with part three of a presentation by Dean Briggs, who presented this information at our annual impact conference just a few weeks ago. This is a very exciting conference where men and women from all spheres of society come together for training and equipping and to celebrate what God's doing in the world each year. And if you would like to know more about this conference, I'm going to give you a quick website where you can go sign up for the update or notice about next year's conference so you can be with us in person. That website is the number 7m-pact.org. Again, that's the number 7m-pact.org. And now to Dean's teaching, you're going to learn the six A's to activation. You know, David had a time in his life that was a testing and an equipping, but it turned out to activate him for his destiny. And so you're going to want to capture these six A's for your own activation. Here we go. First Samuel... 13. I think we'll look at uh, verse 19. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make themselves swords or spears. But every one of the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, or his sickle. And the charge was two-thirds of a shekel for the plowshares and for the mattocks, and a third of the shekel for sharpening the axes. It's all this kind of ancient language that we just we gloss over. And so on the day of battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hands of the people with Saul and Jonathan. But Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. Now, we aren't going to get to the story of David and Goliath until for four more chapters. But what we see is the desperate plight of Israel. They don't have weapons. The Philistines were a seafaring people that most likely brought... Bronze Age technology to the Levant, the, 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 the region of um, Palestine, because uh, it was a major innovation um, uh, in human history to discover how to produce the heat necessary to smelt bronze out of ore, out of, out of rock. Unless you reach, I think it's 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit, if I remember right, I'm, I don't exactly remember, but it's not your normal campfire. You had to, there, was, there was an actual technology upgrade that was required to be able to figure out how to do this. Well, the Philistines brought it, but they held on to it. And Israel is their enemies, and they aren't sharing the knowledge. So all of the Philistines have weapons, and Israel has plowshares and, and uh, you know, axes and stuff like that. But interestingly, David, uh, we see the tides turn, and in the days of David, the armies of Israel are equipped. And in Saul's persecution of David, David had to, at some point, fleeing through the caves, 
uh, the wilderness, running all over the place, he eventually had to pretend that he was a madman and hide in one of the Philistine cities. He was there for months. Shortly after that, David becomes king, and all of a sudden, there's weapons in Israel. I believe God used the opportunity of that refining period in David's life. He's in the city where they're smelting. He's learning the technology. So what seemed like a major setback in David's life was actually an equipping moment for his destiny and his future. These stories are all over in Scripture. It is a matter of how you frame your moments. And nobody can frame your moments but you. You will either frame them for evil or frame them for good. David was, this was possibly the lowest point in David's life, and it is the very moment when he likely got the knowledge to equip the armies of Israel to succeed. And he, th he thinks he's a total failure, and he thinks he's going to die. Well, so one of the revelations that we have to get comfortable with is the revelatory process of pain. The revelatory process of pain. The challenges, delays, and setbacks you are facing have faced a dozen times and a dozen more to come. Every one of those are potential moments of revelation, of character, of equipping, and not just for you, but what you are going to release to others. Every one of them has that potential. Every one of, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think, the, I think it was Lachish. I don't remember the name of the Philistine city right now, it's escaping me. But whatever that city is, when you're in those pain moments, you need to think I'm either in Joseph's dungeon or I'm in that Philistine city, but I'm going to get something here. There was nothing that could reach Joseph except a dream. A dream he started with when he went in and a dream that God sent to him that prepared him to come out. So you don't actually have to make your moment. You just have to hold on through the pain, frame it rightly. God will find you, and the dream will elevate you. Interestingly, dreams are the last day's language of heaven. Joel 2, which is quoted in Acts 2, which we have seen a measure of the fulfillment of, and yet we know in the last days God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. This is something that's going to happen more and more where it's not just the daydream, it's the night dream, it's the soul dream, it's every dream in your heart. Actually, Scripture uh, confirms, unfortunately, that the dreamers are the ones that will most likely experience the most pain, but also get the most rapid promotions. You look at Joseph, you look at Daniel, a couple of examples. The refinement process that they went through to bear the weight of what they were about to be promoted to, was necessary in the eyes of God so that they could be trusted vessels. But at any moment he chose, he can release a dream that changes everything. So to be trained and thoughtful in the expectation of dreams, we want to talk about this more tomorrow, is part of being a, a, a vessel. But let me, uh, let me quickly move towards a conclusion on this. Another example out of Scripture, Genesis 30 
You don't have to turn there. The story's too long. But it is the story of Jacob with Laban. He's gone away uh, now for many, many years. He's, got, he's gotten his two wives, Rachel and Leah. And he's working hard for Laban. And Laban is kind of torn. He's like any normal employer. He loves the favor on this guy. Jacob is prospering him. But he's kind of frustrated and irritated because he's succeeding more than Laban and his sons are. And so Laban's benefiting, but he's jealous. And it's just, and you know, father-in-law, son-in-law issues maybe. Who knows what all is going on there. But finally it reaches a point where Jacob wants to leave. Laban talks him into staying a little bit longer. And so Jacob's like, okay, but this, it, it's been too hard between us. So we need a new system. Jacob says, how about this? You leave me all the spotted and striped sheep, uh, spotted and striped goats, and all of the black sheep. Black sheep were the more rare, the spotted striped goats were the more rare. So he's saying, give me the lesser amount, the ones that aren't born as often, out of the existing herd, give me those. And... Then we start clean, all of the solid colored, the white lambs, and the non-spotted, non-striped goats, those are yours. The few spotted, striped, and, and black sheep, those are mine. Jacob says, or Laban says, okay, that's a good idea. And like a clever businessman, he rigs it in his favor. He says, because you are good at what you do, I want you to take care of my flock but I'm going to take your little measly flock and give it to my sons. So his sons go three days' journey away with the, 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 you know, the off-brand. <laughs> and uh, Laban has Jacob working on his much bigger but now purified flock. And then Jacob does something kind of weird. He carves some sticks with a striped pattern and he gets poplar wood and almond and some of the sticks are spotted and some of the sticks are striped and when the uh, the ewes uh, and the female goats would come to water he would stick the sticks in the water they would drink out of that water and the the males would come from behind and mate and before long for some reason the herd starts to multiply with spotted and striped. So he has the purified herd, all of his spotted and striped have been taken away, but now that purified herd is producing spotted and striped sheep again. And before long, there's more of those than the other, and by now Laban is so frustrated, he's like, take your sheep and get out of here. I don't want this anymore. On the way out, on the way out, Jacob explains to his wives what happens. You can look at it on your own, but it's Genesis 31, 13. He says, I had a dream. And the Lord showed me those striped sticks and spotted sticks. He showed me what to do so that your father couldn't cheat me. The Lord blessed me. He took care of me. Now, that's not a Bible story. That's a business story. That is a straight-up business story. There was an unfair employer. There was a struggling entrepreneur. There were adverse marketplace conditions. 
There were economic challenges. One guy gets nine-tenths of the herd. The other guy starts with one-tenth. But by the time it's done, his one-tenth has outproduced the nine-tenths. Everything about this, if we were to put it in modern terms, would almost be unrecognizable because we read it as a Bible story with shepherds. It is a marketplace solution for you. Get a dream. Be who you were designed to be as a portal of revelation. You are new creation, Bene Elohim. You are not servants of a God who is restrained in His rulership style. His rulership style delegates thrones and crowns to those around Him. And in the new covenant, you as new creation entities aren't just fabricated in original sin. Can you imagine? Adam in original sin, in, in his original creation fellowshiped with God without restraint. Sin enters the picture, fellowship is broken. But God doesn't give up on the plan. He keeps anointing prophets to show, I still want to talk to you guys. I'm going to give these guys access so you can know what I'm like. I'm going to confirm my story through all of history because though you lost the ability to understand who I am, I know what I designed you for, so I'm going to work within the broken system until I can atone for the brokenness, and then I'm going to elevate you back to what you were supposed to be, and you're going to be sons sitting on a throne, and I like having a lot of thrones and crowns around me. I'm not intimidated by that. I want to talk to you. I want to work with you, and I want to give you stripes and spotted sheep. I want to do things you can't imagine. I want to solve problems you don't even understand. There are too many problems in the world. Jeremiah 50. There's all kinds of verses like this that when they pop up on my radar, I just fall in love with Jesus and the Word of God all over again because uh, there's so much revelation in Scripture. You don't need a dream. I want you to be dreamers, but you've got revelation for 20 million lifetimes in the Word of God alone. Jeremiah 50, what did I say? 25. Listen to this. The Lord has opened His armory and brought out the weapons of wrath. Now just contemplate the armory of God. How advanced is that weaponry? We think maybe that new and higher tech weapons and system upgrades are part of his navigation of history? Or is everything just flat and static? You can look through history. I'm not shooting with a bow and arrow anymore. I'm not using my 2012 Mac. We didn't just move from Bows and arrows to bullets. We move from bullets to bombs, then to smart bombs, then to drones. That's the armory of history is a progression necessary to the military needs of the times. What does the armory of heaven look like in what it is prepared to roll out to equip the army of heaven on earth? The armory of heaven is not static. God isn't like... 
Well, I've opened this sucker up, and I hope you guys can still win some battles with the bows and arrows. He's like, you have no idea what I've got locked up in here. You have no idea what I'm willing to roll out. Proton, plasma, weapons, I don't know what all. I mean, I'm talking in a natural metaphor now, but it's like heaven has real artillery. Heaven has real revelation. The armory of God is not ill-equipped to deal with the times. Because he sits on a throne surrounded by beings that fall down in the terror of him and cry out, holy, 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 but they can't stay on their face because he's too beautiful. They have to get back up to stare at him again until they're terrified again and have to fall down. And that's the God that says, you cannot exhaust my resources. You cannot exhaust my capacity. You can't exhaust my ability. You can't exhaust my revelation. All the things that you're drowning in, I've got solutions for. You're actually my sons and daughters. I've raised you to be with me. Let me whisper in your ear. Let me talk to you. Six A's to activation. First, acknowledge that your SQ, we've talked about in the, you know, over the years, IQ, then EQ was a phase. What's your emotional quotient? Well, I'm coining right here and now your SQ, your solution quotient. And let me tell you, it is small. Your solution quotient is small. Acknowledge that. But God's is not. Acknowledge that. The challenges facing you, your business, your family, and this society are bigger than your cleverness. Thankfully, you are a portal to an answer-producing God. Awareness, number two. This is the power of the new creation I was talking about. You are born to be a spiritual portal. It's your birthright as a human, which is why, by the way, you have to be born again. Because the original Adam was born that way, but fallen Adam forfeited that right. So you have to be born again, which allows you to be the heir of all things with Christ. Recognize that while your spiritual faculties may be limited or underdeveloped, they don't have to be. This is just kind of the normal process of humility and deliberateness. Acknowledging that you may be a genius with 167 IQ, but you still aren't going to solve the Middle East peace problem. Right? You still aren't going to. You could be Einstein. You aren't going to solve that. There's a different sphere than human intellect for solving the intractable dilemmas of our day. Some of the things that have been solved literally out of dreams. It'll be very brief. So acknowledge the limitations of your solution quotient, but the capacity of God's. Be aware of who you really are and are meant to be. The power of your new creation, born again, spiritual portal self. Ask, number three. Ask God to begin talking in ways that you haven't expected or practiced in a while. Ask Him for dreams. Ask to develop your intuition. Intuition, I believe, is a God-given faculty that is too often influenced by other things, but it's a God-given faculty. The seven spirits of God mentioned in uh, Isaiah 11 Spirit of wisdom and counsel. 
I believe those are meant to interface with intuition. Spirit of wisdom and counsel that comes from a heavenly place, but your spirit actually vibrates at a frequency that is familiar to heaven. And so the spirit of wisdom and counsel can resonate with your spirit. It just kind of bubbles up inside you. You find yourself thinking different thoughts or having that gut feeling. Women are actually the key instructors in this art. Men need to listen to your wives. Seriously. I know a businessman that uh, uh, his business was struggling. He and his wife were struggling. They were at counseling. He was very frustrated. He, uh, the counselor finally turned to his wife and said, what would you like for your husband to do differently? She said, I want him to clean the garage. Well, he cleaned the garage. And a slide of a couple of years in his business suddenly shifted. And his business started to grow and prosper again. Now you can say that's coincidence. I'll take that coincidence every day and twice on Sundays. Because his wife was operating at an intuitive frequency that perceived something that was out of order in his life. And it was spilling over to his ability to manage and administrate his business. He gave himself to agreement with his wife and the, the discipline and work out of his own garage and all of a sudden cogs and, and, and gears start to fall into place for other things that have been stuck or broken to flourish. There's grease in the gears. Who can explain these things? I can't. It's very frustrating. My, my dad was so frustrated with my mom because she had this gift and he couldn't explain it and he couldn't rationalize it. And it, 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 she would bring up these, these, these uh, ideas that had no rational basis. <laughs> but if he listened to her, it went well with him. There was one time out on our farm in Tahlequah. He... Uh, the air conditioner wasn't working. And my mom was like, it has something to do with the wind. All, all the men are thinking exactly what my dad thought. The electrician came over. They were talking about it. She said, I'm telling you, it has something to do with the wind. I don't know. The, but uh, the, when the wind blows sometimes, it doesn't work. That's what, yeah. They, my dad and the electrician laughed, you know, kind of honey, pat her on the head. You don't understand electricity. All this stuff. No, he gets out there to work on the unit. And sure enough, though, is as simple as a loose wire that the wind was blowing. And she had picked up on that. Well, ask for dreams. Ask for a developed sense of discernment and intuition. Ask for the spirit of counsel and wisdom. Be the Lord's secret friend. It says the friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he makes known to them. His covenant. See, there are mysteries of covenant life with God that if you just purpose to be His friend and you ask, you're in that conversation, God, I, I need understanding, I need revelation, would you talk to me? And you're leaning in, and when you're near like that, it's easy to whisper. And you only whisper to your friends. So that proximity and that asking and that leaning in. Number four, anticipate. If you've acknowledged in humility, you're starting to be aware of who you are meant to be. You're 
turning personal destiny to a larger vision of your own life's design and purpose. You're asking, then dare to anticipate. Let your request become expectation. Because this means that you are actually believing for an answer. Start to anticipate the answer he hasn't given yet, but is going to. And one good way to do that is start to thank him for it. Start to express gratitude that you are meant to hear him. You are sheep. You hear his voice. You are a son raised into the councils. You have access that only Old Testament prophets used to have. Now it's your new birth, right? You're engaging with him. You're leaning in. And it says, Jesus said, Little children, don't you realize your father loves to give you the kingdom? See, the things we think God is holding out from us, he's actually trying to give us. But our own posture of heart keeps us on guard. So anticipate. Let yourself dare to believe and risk expectation. Let that faith rise up. Don't grow cynical if it doesn't happen in your timeline. Don't grow jaded if you lean into an answer and it doesn't go the way you expect. Don't get hard of heart. Be soft, be thankful, and keep talking to Him. Number five, have a sense of awe. Practice awe. Use your redeemed imagination to glimpse this heavenly realm. Contemplate a sea of glass, an emerald expanse, a rainbow covenant, and a throne bigger than you can possibly take in without doing this with your head. A throne that big. Contemplate the size and scope of the God before whom all other gods bow. Practice stillness, practice prayer, practice beholding and worship with a new sense of nearness and the permission that he has given you to draw near. Be in awe of the privilege of your position and the God who made it for you. Finally, number six, activation. This is just, this is, this is spiritual entrepreneurship. It's trial and error. Fail fast, fail often. The the best startup cultures actually should inform how we practice revelation. Fail fast, fail often. You'll get better the faster you fail. Ask God for an answer. You think you have an intuition, you have a hunch, you have a dream, you think you try to lean into it, boom, you fall flat on your face. It's not that God doesn't like you. It's not that he's tricking you. It's not that you're too stupid. It's not that he's deceiving you. It's not that it doesn't work. It's that you just failed fast and often, just like an entrepreneur has to do, just like a startup has to do. Boom, you're moving on. Debug the code. Try the next round. You get more of a feel for it. And you start to practice the familiarity of success more than failure, but you're going to have to go through a lot of failure to get there. If you feel a prompting, flex that muscle, then rinse and repeat and keep going. So glad you joined us for the Linda Field Show today. We know that you are busy and that your time is important. To help you accomplish more of the things that matter in work and life, Linda has created the Prayer Plan Your Life Productivity System. This valuable system guides you to minimize the noise that threatens your progress and make the highest and best use of your time. 
Come on over to lindafields.org ppyl to order Prayer Plan Your Life today. Get it done today. Make it matter tomorrow. See you over at lindafields.org ppyl.